This is Oceanside High School Soccer Reunion, Episode 2, featuring Ed Kelly. Thanks for joining us, Ed. So we thought we would uh, talk a little bit about some of the things that you and Jerry may have touched upon in preparation for this. Um, what are some of the memories that you have of that season, maybe the beginning of the season? Let's start there. Um, was there any expectation for this soccer team to have a winning season or even to go all the way? Well, one of the things about growing up in Oceanside was soccer was king. And I also played lacrosse, and we were so-so, and football was so-so, but soccer was king. And that was a great legacy that uh, meant a lot. Were there any players who played uh, in the season or two before you guys that you looked up to that inspired you to to um, to play soccer? Well, playing center fullback, as I did my entire life, uh, Gary Happ was huge. And I remember uh, in junior high when Artie Ray used to have him take penalty kicks, which meant that if he missed it or if the goalie stopped it, we had nobody in the goal, which was kind of ridiculous in my mind. But uh, that was one of the things that Artie thought was copacetic. So what was it like playing for Artie Wright? You just uh, shared one story, but what else can you talk about or share about uh, Artie Wright? Well, he was a fixture. And when you grow up in a small town, like Oceanside was back in the 60s, um, you know, his reputation preceded him. Now, I don't have any particular memories of any great strategies that he came up with. I mean, for warm-ups, we used to have the fullbacks, halfbacks, sit on opposite ends of the field crosswise and just kick the ball long so the game has evolved into such a different direction than just kicking a long ball and hoping your forward was faster than their fullback uh, i need to interject here that eddie was had the best leg on the team he could kick a soccer ball further than anybody on the 1968 championship team. And in fact, I think we used to call you Boom Boom. Am I right? Yeah. Me and Boom Boom Mancini. No, you can <laughs> really... only do Boom Booms I do. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's funny because when we would warm up against an opposing team, before it was over, before we started the game, I would go into the middle of the field and kick the ball as high as I could, and it was incredible because uh, you you have a point there. I didn't know anybody that could kick a ball as high as I could. And then sometimes to psych him out, when it was coming down, I used to head it. <laughs> <laughs> That's before we knew what concussions were. Dude, that explains a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so so anyway, Ed, I, I was telling my brother before we made the phone call 
that uh -huh. you, you and I met on the soccer field in 10th grade because I went to Boardman Junior High School and you right. went to Merle Avenue. So there were uh -huh. two different schools and I, I didn't really know any of the kids from the Merle Avenue school, but I met you on the, on the soccer field and we became good friends ever since be, as a result of meeting on the soccer field. Jerry, you, you're my brother and you always will be. Yep, well, it was, it was great uh, getting to know you playing soccer and, and Alvin, of course. You shared a memory with me a couple of days ago about playing in junior high with Alvin. Do you remember when you were telling me a story about yeah. Alvin? Yeah. yeah. Why don't you share that with us, if you could? Well, I was playing center fullback. Gary Happ was in the goal, and Alvin was playing midfield. And... He used to, you got to think like a golf swing. He used to lean back if a rolling ball was coming to him, and he wanted to kick the shit out of it. <laughs> and he would swing and totally miss, which would, Alvin was a dear friend, and I, it would just make me laugh. And I would laugh so hard that Gary Happ, who's now running back into his goal because it's a fast break, said, well, what are you doing? What are you doing? Why are you laughing? And I'll never forget that because <laughs> it was just something that, and Alvin did it on a pretty regular basis. Eddie, but, you, uh, that used to crack me up. Is Alvin going to be at the reunion? Alvin's going to be there. I, I would love to hear his take on that story. You're gonna, I, I doubt oh, that he remembers it exactly like that, Eddie. I will tell you that. And Gary um, Happ's going to be there, too, yeah, I understand. Gary Happ is definitely going to be there. Eddie, well, I, you, you, like a lot of other guys, continued to play soccer after high school. So oh, hell yeah. Why don't you take a couple of minutes and, and share with us uh, about some of your uh, soccer playing after you graduated high school. I, I think you played in California and maybe even South America, too. Is that right? Yes. I, uh, I went to Texas Christian University when it was the old Southwest Conference, football was king. I mean, talk about being a red-haired stepchild. Us soccer players were, uh, we didn't have any groupies. So, uh, you know, I, I noticed I was a lot better than a lot of the other guys, aside from foreign students that played on the team, only because of Oceanside and the soccer regiment that I grew up with, and that includes Jimmy Montano. I can't give him enough respect because uh, that German-American league I played in in the city was fantastic, and I was probably 12, 13, 14 years old, but I did it for, you know, until high school. And uh, we used to go into, let me just give you the intro to this because this was the origins of uh, how soccer, how I begin to realize that it is a beautiful game. I mean, it's a cross between ballet and uh, chess. It's just magnificent. And Jimmy Montano was instrumental in teaching me that. We used to go to Hempstead Lake State Park and play against adults. He'd bring all these kids that were, you know, young teenagers, and we would play a game. This was our only practice for 
what we participated in in the German-American League in New York City. We played at fields, Eintracht Oval and Gachiblaua, that were soccer fields in between factories back in the day. And these fields had no grass. So when you slid, you were sliding on dirt and gravel and God knows what else. And as a center fullback, I slid a lot to take a guy's legs out after I hit the ball first, of course. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) And, uh, wow, it was just amazing. And playing against these men, all of which were right off the boat. Well, we we kind of... Europe. We, um... We kind of sidetracked, but let's stay on this because Montana was quite a character, as I recall. Now, I didn't play for him. I played for Oceanside United. but Joe Goldberg. I played with, with Goldberg. But yeah. Montana, as I recall, was um, kind of a, a flashy guy. I, I, I forget what he did for a living, but um, he was a... He, he, was, was, he was mafioso. <laughs> he was like a swashbuckler of the soccer field there, and... Uh, the guy cut a large swath whenever he you know, walked onto the field. He was really he something did. to see. So anyway, so that we, we started talking about this because you were telling us about playing ball after high school, and you mentioned TCU. All right. Are we on a time limit here? Well, I'm, my brother controls no, the just, just keep going, Ed. We're, we're happy to hear the stories you want to share. All right, because when Alvin shows up, we will uh, reminisce about Montana used to take the entire team and his Monte Carlo into the city to play these games. And one time after the game, he gave me a $20 bill and we stopped off at a soda beer place. And he says, Hey, go get a case of sodas. So I walked in and being the schmuck that I am, I uh, bought a case of beer instead. And nobody noticed until they start popping the cans that hey, this smells like beer. <laughs> <laughs> so, of course, he made me take it back in and get a case of sodas. But one time, Montano, there was a, a little guy from Baldwin, from England, named Ray. Forget his last name. Ray Worshing. Maybe that's it, yeah. That, that is that's a, absolutely, a very yeah. skinny guy, yeah. So, um, we're loading up into the car, and Ray sits in the front seat. Of course, nobody wanted to sit in the back seat because you had 10 other people sitting on your lap. So, Alvin, <laughs> Alvin and I uh, said, hey, what are you doing in the front seat? We dragged him out. We threw him in the back seat. Well, Montano saw that, and he reaches underneath the seat of his, of his uh, car and pulls out like a 12-inch butcher's knife, <laughs> and he, he starts stabbing us. <laughs> to say, get the hell out of here. But uh, Montano, he grew up on the next block down from me on Rockwell Center. He didn't grow up there because Ray Heatherton owned the house. Mm-hmm. Remember the Mary Mailman? Mary Mailman and his daughter, uh, Joey Heatherton. Joey Heatherton, yeah. absolutely. Well, she I, was good friends with my sister, Mitch. I can remember so. Montana. When we when I was in junior high, of course, yeah. the, 
the big games of the year for us what were the games we played against Merle Avenue, against your junior high school. The, that was the, the big competition. And I can remember going to the games, and there would be you know a few, a handful of spectators, but Montana was always there, rooting for you guys. Scout. Scout. Yeah, and, and rooting for you tech guys, too, because a number of – he didn't have anybody from Boardman playing on his team. They were all from Merle Avenue. But he uh, he enjoyed watching well, the game. He was Merrill a- Avenue had more Gentiles. <laughs> All right, that's one way to put it. <laughs> so, so so anyway, um, we were talking about TCU, and then I know that you were playing in California, and yeah. what was the team you played on in California? It was called Club International, and back in '73, I was working for American Airlines at JFK. And I got laid off. That's That was back when you had to line up for gas, even an odd license plates. Remember that? Sure. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I said, screw this noise. I got unemployment, $95 a week. And I drove my pickup truck from Oceanside to Ocean Beach, San Diego. Got a little studio appointment. And I was, back then, President Ford was extending uh, unemployment because the economy was upside down. So I figured, hey, I'm going to be a beach bum for uh, a year and a half. And so the first thing I did was I called the San Diego County Soccer Association and I said, hey, who can I talk to about uh, playing on a team? And they gave me this guy's phone number, Kevin Cosgrove. Club International. And I called him and I said, Hey, uh, you looking for any players? He said, Always. You got to come out and try out. Now, I never tried out in my life. However, I went and was duly uh, sworn and affidavited that night. So that turned out to be a wonderful experience because this was a team that had a different philosophy from every other team in the league. They had the German-American society, the Italian-American group. We played Croatia, and that was when Croatia was still part of Yugoslavia. But the Croats were that strong of a neighborhood that they put a team together. So Club International was the first team that ever put together a Mexican front line with an international back line. And I was one of three North Americans. The goalie was one. I played center fullback, and another American played on my right side. Everybody else was from Germany, England, uh, France. It was unbelievable. And because traditionally back then, Mexicans would prefer to play with Mexicans that uh, he put this concept together and it worked because we had an entire front line of Mexicans and they were all from Tijuana and some of them didn't even speak English but uh, thank God for Miss Amaglia junior high school I spoke a little Spanish but it, uh, it was a very eventful concept because it worked and we grew into two teams an A team and a B team 
How many seasons did you play for them? I played for them from uh, the last part of 73 till 77 when I moved to Paraguay. And then did you play while you lived in Paraguay? Well, I didn't when I started because I was at the American school. And uh, we had a game one time. We had a Paraguayan PE teacher who ran the roost. And uh, we had a game against the faculty, against the boys' soccer team. And when he saw me play, he said, Jesus, Mary and Joseph in Spanish. He said, he said uh, I got a buddy that runs the B division team of our professional league. Why don't you talk to him? So I did, and I played, and I got on the team. Because you got to remember, back then, I was 26 years old. I had long blonde hair, a bright red beard, and I was single. So I had such a good time, I had to go to confession every Saturday. <laughs> well, I'm sure you did. Um, those are great memories. When was the last time you played in an organized game of soccer? Oh, wow. When I got back from Paraguay, I blew out my ACL. Back in 79, that ended your career. But through rehab, and you know, as an athlete, you always do the physical therapy because it's just part of your regiment. And uh, I felt pretty good. So I started playing indoor ball with a Phoenix. It's, it's 110 degrees. But they had this indoor arena. It was a beautiful setup. It was built by a developer that built homes all around it. So he had the bucks. And this indoor arena had a bar upstairs with all glass looking out. So you, after your game, you can go up and have a couple of pictures and uh, watch the next couple games. So I started playing on a team. And once you got that down, everything else was wonderful. Ed, so there was, those were great memories. Do you remember... Um... Well, you were talking about Montano driving as a Cadillac to the games, everybody fitting in there. Monte Carlo, yeah. Yeah, it brought, it brought back a memory for me. And I, I was wondering if, if you maybe played on this team. In high school, um, I, I started a team that played in a, a league of point lookout during the summer. No, no. That, you, you mentioned that to me the end of the other day, and I wasn't even aware of that. Okay. So it was called the Oceanside Tornado, and one... One night, I, I couldn't find 11 guys to play. Right. And um, one of the guys on the team was Jimmy Volpe. And he used to drive us to the game. He was working <laughs> in, a, in a diaper truck. We would, he would pick up right, di dirty right. diapers. And yeah. so he kept the truck at home with him. And he would pick, it was a big panel truck. And he drove us to the games. Now, I called him and I said, I can't find a, an 11th player. Uh -huh. And he said, well, there's a kid in junior high school. He's really good. I don't know whether his mother will let him play. So he gave me the guy's name, and right. it was Ronnie Adonazio. So uh -huh. I called his mother, and she said, yeah, sure, he can play. So we picked him up in the diaper delivery truck, and we drove to Point Lookout. And we, we played left wing. He scored both goals, and we won the game 2-1. to one. He might have been in seventh grade at the time, but he was really... Uh, 
obvious wow. he was the best player on on the team. Yeah. Did you sign him? Did what? Did you sign him? I didn't sign him. I mean, I wish I would have signed him. That would have been great. But uh, he had a great career. And, Apparently, and, he played professional soccer, and he yeah. will be at the reunion. He will be there. He did a couple of years with the Cosmos. Correct. And then he did another year with another outdoor club, and then he went indoor as well. Yeah. So anyway. Well, let's, uh, listen, Ed. If, well, if, why didn't you uh, call it with Volpe's truck? Why didn't you call it the Oceanside Asswipes? And with that, on that note, on that note, it's um, we were a little over our schedule here, but it's, it's been great talking to you, Ed. Likewise. And, and it'll be posted on Facebook, so you'll be able to listen to this uh, podcast on Facebook probably tomorrow. And, I'd be afraid uh, to. And, no, Ed, this was great. I really enjoyed listening to your stories. Our other news is well, our, our you latest. You guys, uh, you know, it scares the hell out of me to listen to you because you sound alike so much. <laughs> I told Thomas that the other day. Well, he's a lot taller than me. Um, Steve Backus <laughs> sent his check-in, so he's going to be coming out from California for the reunion, so I'm looking forward to seeing him. And oh, absolutely. It's going to be a great time. So, Eddie, uh, we'll and be in touch. Just, Ed, also, my dad is going to be there, and I know that he's looking forward to seeing you as well. You know what? Uh, I told you, Thomas, yeah. that uh, I loved your dad and always will. And... Mm. I remember when my dad passed away in 1983. My mom and I flew him back. He was with the luggage, but we flew him back to New York because our family burial plot is in uh, Calvary, Long mm -hmm. Island City. Mm -hmm. But at the wake, who walks in but Jerry and your old man? And that meant more to me. Yeah. Well, I, I, I know that... He's sleeping right now, but I'll tell him uh, that you were asking for him. And we're going to share this with, with him tomorrow morning. And I, again, I know that he's looking forward to seeing you. Well, it'll be my pleasure. All right, buddy. Eddie, thanks a lot. Take care, my we'll friends. We'll see you. All right, we'll see you. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.